Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. And also Kendra. Yay! <laughs> welcome, friends, 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 to season four. Season um, four. This is I a big deal. Be- yeah, season four is normally when sitcoms start getting really good. Ooh. So I feel I like, like that's vibe. Yeah. Or when like dramas start getting really crazy, like your next door neighbor was the murderer all along. Um, okay. Um, Martha, I think you've been <laughs> listening to too much true crime. <laughs> it's true. It's my happy place. It's murders. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we thought it would be a great idea to start off season four with a round table with our board member and mom ambassador and all around BFF. Founding, one of our founding members. Founding members of Dear Mama. Mm-hmm. She was there literally day one um, yep. at that photo shoot with her sweet baby, Callan, who is oh. now like, was he almost four? Oh my gosh, he's almost four. That's okay. he's, he's crawling. Crazy. He's crawling like a big boy. I can't even. No, I know. Kendra had like a very chill thing happen this February. Was it February? It was in February, yes. Oh my gosh. Um, where she produced another child. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. NBD. Oh man. Our well, I'm super oh, and she's so sweet. She's got the sweetest cheeks. I can't and we still haven't met her. I know. No. That is so silly. We need to go up there and visit you. It's yeah. very sad. Yes. We we need to get together. That is I'm for sure. I'm probably going to cry. Forewarning, I'm probably going to cry. Oh, I just can't wait to like look at her little chin. She's got your little tender chin. <laughs> she does. <laughs> I like squeeze it. Oh, and their like heels are always so weird too. Like baby heels are so strange. Oh man, and they smell bad and good at the same time. Yes, yeah. Sometimes you just can't stop kissing them. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's so true. incredible. Um. Anyway, so Nora's fantastic, and it's been a, it's been a hot minute since we had you on. I think what we did was the last time we had you on, we timed it like right before you were going to have Nora. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That feels like forever ago. It really does. Yeah, it does. A million years. So today we thought it would be great actually to sit down and chat a little bit about life after the NICU because that's all of us, right? I mean, uh, if you're in the NICU, you're careening towards it. If you're out of the NICU, you're in it right now. Um, And it's a part of NICU life that's not talked about a lot, right? You're just fighting to get through. You're reading the articles. you're, You're reading all that stuff and then you get home and then bam, life begins in a lot of ways. Um, so we thought it'd be a great way to, to kind of start a new chapter for season four. Yeah. And I'm really excited about this episode because there's many different directions we could take this, right? I mean, how do you condense life after NICU into one episode? <laughs> but kind of our main focus is today, we wanted to kind of focus on was the transition to home, you know, kind of some of those raw and honest feelings and emotions to just navigating life at home. And also the mental health aspect of, okay, wow, you know, we've, we talk about it a lot, but coming home from the NICU can sometimes be this awakening. You're in survival, fight or flight, you come home, your body knows that your baby is safe. And all of a sudden it's like, you feel everything. <laughs> and so we wanted to have an honest conversation about a couple of those things. And it's really special because each of us had very different experiences coming home. And so we hope that this episode is really valuable. And, you know, to the mamas in the NICU, do not fear coming home from the NICU is a gift. It is exciting. It is beautiful. It is life-giving. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just, it's trauma does things to the body <laughs> and it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to fear, but it's just helpful to be aware so that when you're home and maybe you don't feel as joyous as you thought, or you have those moments of triggers, you're not alarmed by them. And so if you're a NICU mom listening, who's currently in the NICU, 
we don't want this to scare you. <laughs> There's nothing to fear. You can and you will do it. But we do want to have an honest conversation about it. Definitely. Maybe friends, let's just kind of share about what the transition home was like for each of you. And Martha, do you want to start with that one? Well, coming home for me, you know, there were there was two parts of it, right? You know, when after I had my son JP, who um passed away in the NICU, um, you know, that was it was challenging to come home, right? Because the idea was I was coming home and he wasn't with me. Um, so there was a transition that was definitely about healing, you know, foremost about healing my body. And the focus was really on me. Um, and for JJ, it was completely different in that I, we, we got her here. She had a, a successful NICU stay. Um, and we got to the end point and I was so excited about what it looked like that when the reality of um, my mental, my mental health struggle set in, I was very disappointed. And I think, I think you touched on that a little bit, Ashley. It's like the, what you, um, expectations versus reality um, is, is, and that's kind of the name of the game with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, un, un, instead of kind of voicing what I was feeling, um, which was scared, kind of intrusive thoughts, which happen. Um, I was very ashamed and isolated, which ironically, ha- if I had voiced those earlier, I think would have brought me out of it, which is to your point, Ashley, there's nothing to be afraid of as long as you're aware that you are safe and and it, you're, you're okay. Whatever you're feeling mm-hmm. is okay. And it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was important too. I felt, I don't know if you felt that way, but I felt like every feeling postpartum coming home was permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Totally. But, but, you know, and that was coming too with like a JJ being a quote unquote normal kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know there's NICU kids that come home with also like all this equipment and everything, you know, and then you have to learn how to be a healthcare taker too. Like, yeah. like you, Kendra, you know a thing or two about <laughs> a zillion different things. <laughs> yes. Trach mama, yeah. Tubi mama. Yes. Coming home and the transition for us was so, it was, it was drawn out in almost a way because we weren't supposed to be in the NICU to begin with, you know, supposed to be, nobody's supposed right. to be. Um, but Callan was a full-term NICU kiddo and it started with just like, oh, he just needs to regulate his blood sugars. Oh, then the breathing thing took place and then a bowel perforation and just all these things that kind of led to us coming home was going to look way different than we had ever imagined where um, all of a sudden we have a G-tube and now we have a trach and coming home with a trach means you're coming home with nursing home or home nursing care. And so there's just a lot of different dynamics and the transition was slow because a lot of pieces had to fit together perfectly to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, Callan had to be stable enough. He had to be on a certain vent to come home. And then we had to wait for nursing care and all of that had to work together. Mm-hmm. And we were getting so close and um, to come home, you know, you start to work with the nurses that are going to be in your home so that they can know your kiddo and know you and then you also have to meet with your supply company to get trained in on all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in Callan's room and she, our wonderful PHS um, respiratory therapist came in. She had all of this stuff. And I was sitting there and there was just boxes and tubes and bags and pumps and all of this stuff. And then I'm looking at this perfectly put together nursery and I'm like, Mm. where is this going to go? And we had to really just like take it all in. And I remember she left and I looked at Tyler and I just felt so much fear because I'm like, how am I ever going to do this? How are we going to remember all of this? Because it was more, it was, it was, we needed to know how to beg him um, and know all of those things. And and then I just decided to devote time to become an expert on my kiddo because I was like, oh, I need to know all these crazy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so we, we came home and it was hard. It was a lot harder than I had ever imagined. Um, right. Yeah, it was a big, big transition for us. A very Because it wasn't just coming home with our kiddo. It was coming home 
with people in our house 24 seven after a very traumatic season um, of our lives. And so it was learning to heal and move on with a whole nother set of people in our home 24 seven. Right. And so, so was that what it was like right away was 24 seven or was it just night nursing or was it all day? Yeah, it was 24 seven. I remember the day that we came home, so we came home, um, one nurse rode with us. So she, she got to her house in the car. So you you didn't even have a moment in the car. No, we didn't even have a moment in the car. It's like walking out of the NICU, like putting him in his outfit to go home, taking out the leads was a home care, like our nurse manager. And it was, it was, it was always somebody with us from that beginning. And, um, there wasn't space and time. We got home that night. She was with us for a couple hours before that. At one point, the first night home, there were seven nurses in our house. Oh my word. And I was, so overwhelmed. I mean, and plus yeah. putting in, you know, Sad I had to pump me. every three hours and then we still had to cook supper because, you know, it's like when you come home with a new baby, typically there's a lot of people there and they're bringing you food right away and you have freezer meals all stored up. But like we were six months out by the time we came out. Yeah. I I hate yeah. to say it this way, but in some ways it felt like we were forgotten. Yeah. And now that we got to come home, it was like – everything's better now. Um, but we were coming home with a mini ICU in our house. (laughs) So we really were. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we were actually supposed to come home the week prior to that. But when they took out his pick line and did it last ultrasound, they found like a blood clot and we had to stay another week to make sure it was steady. So, um, it was just shaky. We didn't, we, at that point we didn't hold our breath on coming home because we're like, we're, we're just going to surprise everyone because we don't want to go through that heartbreak ourselves again. Um, so yeah, coming home was, I mean, there were, there weren't a lot of moments to just process just Tyler, Callan and I, it was a whole team of people. I mean, from beginning to end, I feel like it was like, it would be like having someone like watch you on your first date. Like, oh you know gosh. what I mean? Yes. Like, like it just, there's so many dynamics. Our, our relationship as a married couple, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't have intimacy alone. I mean, like right. there's always somebody yeah. and we live in a split level home. So like, you know, our nurses were constantly like right next to our bedroom. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it's and in our bathrooms, you guys, like, we only had one bathroom when we came home now, thankfully of two, but we don't have nursing really anymore. Yeah. And I, I could remember like, I did not, we're, let's be real. Like I did not want to go poop in my bathroom because I'm like, there is somebody <laughs> that's going to have to use the bathroom Which is, behind me. Right. That yeah. is a travesty. We should all be free to poop in our potties. That's what my daughter's book says. <laughs> we all poop in the potty. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like I've heard you say that before, though. It was like you were training one highly regulated medical environment for another another highly re- reg- regulated medical environment, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. <sighs> That's so much. I can't even like – because I feel like when we came home in the car, that was yeah. the moment where it like was like, oh, it's, just, real. it's just us. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't have the NICU team anymore, but for you, it was like, you now had another NICU. I just, that would be such a hard transition mm-hmm. right away. It was. And like, I can, so you both probably went through the, like, what are we going to do? We don't have nurses anymore. We don't have a crash cart right there. Like right. there's all of these things. And for me, it was, I don't have my primary nurses anymore that know my right. kiddo. Right. I don't have meals right at my hand. Like, who are these people? Did they even go to school long enough? Like, and I say that with if any of our home care nurses are listening, I love. There were some hard ones. Uh, yeah, I you cared. had some experiences. <laughs> yes, we can maybe talk about that at some point. <laughs> um, no, but um, 
it was very hard to trust a new set of people. Right. Because we were with them for six months and they knew Callan so well. And, um, I, the, the, actually our second day home or so our first full day home, we put Callan on his tummy to do some tummy time and the vent tubing had so much condensation because it was winter time and it all drained back into him and he ended up with aspiration pneumonia. Um, <sighs> and that night we took an ambulance ride back to the hospital and we were readmitted for a couple days. Um, and I remember our home care nurse manager saying, like, no, like, check his pulse oximeter. No, like, he's probably just finally doing what he should as a heart kiddo and all these things. And I just remember so much. And no, like, no, this is not right. This is not my kiddo. Mm-hmm. This is not, something mm-hmm. is not right. And trying to tell that to a new nurse who became one of our very, very close friends. And she's like, this is only my second time seeing this kiddo, like being with him and just, you know, almost questioning her nursing skills. But I wasn't, I was, I was just advocating for him. And that's hard to do because you're, you're now in your own home and you don't have these credentials as the people that are there to take care of your son. Um, But you were the one that was with him every day for six months when they're stepping in and it's only their like, you know, 10th hour with him. Um, so there's just a lot of dynamics of really learning how to continue to advocate for him and um, be his sole, like, nurse when at home. And it kind of shifted from really relying on our nurses in the NICU to relying on what I knew, what I had learned, and knowing him. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a it was definite shift. Um, so I think for us, like, there wasn't a time to kind of really relax yet. Yeah. And let emotions and um, thoughts and all of that come in because we were now, like, taking on a huge responsibility yeah. in our homes. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah I think... I mean, and in that place too, obviously there's such a wide spectrum and I feel like you've touched on so much of it as for, for medically complex schedules. And we even were just talking earlier tonight before we start recording about how that changes over time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think too, but it speaks to the core of a lot of what it is with, with NICU parents and going home, which is, um, the safety net, like how, how, what does that safety net look like and when it disappears and, I wonder, Ash, too, I, like, remember vividly talking to you, like, the week before Silas came home, but when you got the okay versus, like, when you walked through the doors, because there is a video of it, and I've seen it uh, three times, <laughs> but when you when you got, like, what were, what was going through your mind when you, like, walked through the doors of your home? Yeah, I mean, to be totally transparent, it was it was, like, super joyous for us. I felt like... Um, I, it just felt so surreal to like have him in his room. I remember like walking into his room and showing him his room and being like, you're actually here. Like, this is, this is wild. Like, this is what we've been preparing for. And like, it's, it's really here. Um, it was also unique because we had family up that were traveling. And so the same week that we came home, they were at our house too, which was like fine, but it was like, Oh, we're kind of doing both at the same time. We're like seeing family, but also bringing Silas home. Um, but right away I was, I was just so, so happy to have him home. And it, that first walk into the house was just like one Mm -hmm. of my happiest moments. I was, I I felt like I could finally breathe. It was, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So Ash, there you talked about like the joyous feeling. Was there any point where you were like, I kind of miss the NICU or I miss the people? Yeah, I I think what I missed the most was this sounds really weird, but was like the routine. Mm-hmm. I felt like over the pat like over those three months, we really had a routine of like, okay, we wake up at this time, we go to the NICU at this time, this happens at this time, and while he was like on somewhat of a routine with like the three hour increments or whatever, um, it felt like we were kind of now having to figure out like, 
what do we do now? <laughs> you know? Right, right. And Ryan and I were both home because we were both self-employed at the time. Um, and so that was nice in some ways, but we both were kind of like, how do we both parent at home without this like schedule? So I remember the first day we woke up and like started to get ready to go to the NICU and realized like, oh, we don't have to go there today. Oh, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is home. And I, and I missed like, I missed our people, you know, like they become okay. your family. And so yeah. I missed like on a downtime of the day, like talking to a nurse and like, you know, we just really got to know these people and stuff. And especially in the middle of the night, I felt like if we stayed there, we would like talk or different things, you know? So I missed that part of it, but I definitely, I think right away the, the routine, the loss of routine was like a big shock and just kind of rediscovering, okay, how do we, how do we do this? Or also like, okay. Cause I came home pumping and Ryan was a huge help, but like, it was nice that if I couldn't feed him, because I was pumping, a nurse could help me or, you know what I mean? Like there was some of those things of always having helping hands Mm -hmm. of like, okay, you can take this milk to the freezer and stash it for me or, you know, but like now Ryan and I were figuring out how to do that at home. And that transition was, was a little bit unique, but how about you guys? Yeah. I mean, I, with, um, GP, I just wanted to get, I wanted to get out of the hospital and I wanted to be home and also never to go asleep. And then like, not, not wake up for about three years, which, which was okay. And was the right, you know, when you're grieving, you just do what you do to get by. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and with JJ, um, you know, I think, uh, I also miss the routine and the, the thing that I wasn't anticipating was like on top of all the feelings and the the trauma that you're navigating was the lack of sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. and sleep, lack of sleep is not a, is, is not talked about enough. It is, you know, mm-hmm. used as torture in some parts of the world. So the idea that you as new, you know, moms, you know, you're navigating this major life change and hormonal changes. And then for us on top of it, um, uh, you're, you're, you're really frayed. I guess my edges were really frayed. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that was really hard too. Like, so that part of it, being able to be like, not that I ever slept well when she was there, right? Because you'd wake up every couple hours to pump and check in on them. But the fact that she was right there next to me and it was my responsibility to keep her alive was like a yeah. lot. So yeah. I don't think I slept for like six weeks straight. Um, yeah. You know, and again, that that was me. I think had I been able to take been a more proactive choice, like make some proactive decisions leading up to going home, relying on support systems, maybe pursuing medication a little bit earlier. That was right for me. You know, those things could definitely have made a difference. And then they definitely did. Um, But that the lack of routine in that way really messed with my brain because Mm -hmm. we as human beings really love routine and it gives us purpose. And and so the shift home was pretty wild for me in that way. Um, And I distinctly remember, um, you know, laying in bed and, you know, having, you know, the scary mommy thoughts that we all think are like, okay, I'm never going to say these aloud because someone will be like, oh, you can't, we knew it and lock me up. And yeah. asking my husband, like, can we go back? Yeah. I rem- I distinctly saying like, I, I think I need to go back. Like yeah. we, we, we all need to go back. And, and it's only because my body was not feeling safe. I felt unsafe because this was all so new. And so at that yeah. point, safety for me meant the NICU, as crazy as that sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree completely. I remember, I mean, so that second night home um, or the day and when he was not doing well and it was, you know, obvious that something was wrong. I just remember, I just missed the NICU so much. I missed my people. Um, I missed the safety of it because like I had said before, like there was everything there, everything I knew. I mean, let alone we had oxygen and nebs and all of that, but I just felt like, no, they have everything. (laughs) Like everyone is right there. I missed that a lot. I also, I really missed um, all of the nurses Mm -hmm. I missed our primaries, especially because they, they knew, they knew all of our journey, um, where family, they did, they saw, they saw it, um, but they didn't like know it, 
you know, I think there's a difference between seeing it and kind of tapping in and out to it um, versus the nurses were there during the hardest moments um, with our journey. And I missed them because they knew our hearts. They knew how challenging it had been and it could be going forward. Um, And I will be honest, when Callan was admitted, the day after he was, you know, just sent home, there was part of me that felt relief. Although we didn't end up back in the NICU, we ended up in the um, PICU. So it was different. But like we had our nurses come see us and they felt so bad, you know. But I was relieved in some moments because I was like, I wanted to be back because I didn't think that we could ever thrive at home um I just it wasn't I was still so I mean for us we had so much to go through even to get past to a processing place I mean at nine months old Callan had his um open heart surgery so we still had a lot of um things to go through and I mean he had the trach until he was two so there's a lot um it almost like Mm -hmm. extended the NICU kind of extended for a longer period of time. But right away, I, I wanted to go back. I missed mm-hmm. my people there. Um, I missed, yeah, some aspect of the routine. It was nice. We had an hour-long mm-hmm. drive and couldn't really stay the night all the time there. Um, so I did love being able to be with Callie yeah. actually longer. Um, so I loved that part about being home and um, – but we didn't, I didn't feel like we had more, you know, intimacy or space with him. I mean, I don't know because right, there was right. nurses in her house. And so it just felt like I almost, oh, I talk about it a lot actually um, with some friends that I always feel like I had to be on in almost like right. a host in my yeah. own house because it was like you know we're at the hospital right. it's almost the different right. like the nurses are the hosts you and you can kind of just like do i put out snacks like do i need to make do i make a charcuterie board oh for my the gosh. nurses like we 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 had moments of that i kid you not our first month i mean first couple of weeks home the um super bowl fell into that and we ended up <laughs> yeah. offering our nurse oh, a whole man. bunch of the food that we made and it and then there were nurses who we were like, no, seriously, come try this, you know, and it just kind of developed into those friendships. Um, but it was, it was definitely yeah. an awkward balance right away. That is for sure. And navigating like, how do I shower? What if the nurse needs to go to the bathroom and we only have one? Right. Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. Um, so there was a lot. I, yeah, there was a lot that I missed right yeah. away. That is for sure. I think there can be that like, that shame that follows that because you feel like I wanted to be home so bad. Like all I thought about when we were in the NICU was coming home. So why do I want to go back there? Like, then you kind of feel like what's wrong with me? Like I should be so happy to be here. Why am I missing something that was so hard, you know? And then you get back and you're like, well, maybe that wasn't the hard part. Maybe this is, you know, Yeah. but that shame of like, all I wanted was to be home, but now all I want to be is back. Like what? That's such a complex thing to process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in some ways guilt too, like, you feel guilty because sometimes you do walk into those situations where you meet families who don't get to come home with their kiddos. And um, with Mark, which Martha, you obviously have walked that road. And so you feel guilty about wanting to go back to a place that was, you know, scary and hard. Um, And you're like, I should be happy. I should be excited. I should be relieved that we're home and all should be well now, but uh, it can take a while Mm -hmm. to get to that spot. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and I think that that's, I mean, I even felt that with JJ, like JJ was Mm -hmm. healthy. Like all I wanted for five years after infertility and uh, Nikki said in multiple surgeries to reconstruct, you know, uh, you uterus home makeover edition. Right. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so like all of the stuff I had to go through to get pregnant with her and then the, all of that, and then getting her home, I was like, well, this is what I've been trying to do for years. 
And then my brain was like, meow. Oh no, help us. That was the brain crash. That was my brain. Um, and, and what I didn't know, right. Cause I was like, there is something wrong with me when I was like, honey, can you please take me back to the hospital? Um, was that my body was coming out of fight or flight and was like, you're home, you're safe. Mm-hmm. And now you can process everything. Bye. Peace. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like dropping these nuggets on me. And like, it's actually incredibly brilliant that our bodies are designed to do that. Right. To get us through the fire of the NICU, then we're still standing. And so we slowly, our brains slowly open ourselves up to our body and experiencing it and experiencing life at home. And the fact that you're going through that and you're still standing, you're still waking up every day is a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I didn't get that at first. (laughs) I was just like, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) Cuckoo. Right. But, um, what I learned was that had you know, had I been able to practice a little more self-compassion and celebrate myself for the things I was doing, I think that's just what I would encourage everyone to do is like, you have no idea what you're, where, how, where you're going to feel, right? Like there's, I think for all yeah. of us, yeah. it was different than we expected overall, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, and we've also it. heard from moms that came home and didn't feel the struggle or the tension, right? That they felt shame because it wasn't yeah. harder. You know, they came home and it was super joyous and they were like, well, why doesn't it feel hard yet? It is, shouldn't it feel hard yet? You know? Right. And I think yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what you said of like, you don't know how you're going to process it until you're in it. And for some moms, it's, mm-hmm. it's never hard for other moms. It comes later for some moms. It's immediate. Like there's no rule book or guidebook, but there's nothing wrong with you. Like however yeah. you process coming home is exactly how you process. And that's great. You know, there's no right, right or wrong way to do it as long as you are offering yourself as much compassion as possible. Kindness, and so yeah. Yeah. there's no, there's no shame. There's yeah. just, there's no wrong or right way. Right. So maybe this is a good transition to, you know, when did you start to really process everything that you walked through? I mean, we yeah. we talked about fight or flight. And maybe, Martha, do you just want to talk about what is fight or flight? Maybe for some of our new mamas listening. Yeah. You know, what what does that mean? Yeah. So our Lord and Savior, Pari Shadeshwande, um, <laughs> she has – you should – she's a tremendous author and a somatic – trauma specialist and a high-risk pregnancy specialist. So like go read her book, Pregnancy Brain, and also listen to her podcast, listen to her episodes on our podcast. She talks about it much more eloquently than I'm about to. Um, But right when your body goes through trauma, which is um, something that is what it's too, too fast, too hard, too soon, right? That's what they say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Um, It's too much for us to process. Um, and sometimes it's just like many things are happening at once, like per se, I don't know, a pandemic. And then also you have a baby and then a game, right? <laughs> so you're going through all these things at one time. So our body, um, like when we're in stress, um, releases cortisol and like, like we, we know we're going to get chased by the bear and in short spurts, that's great. We can recover it from it. But, um, for us that go through the NICU, it's like being in a car accident multiple times a day, every day. Um, and that's a lot for our bodies to handle. So we go into this incredible fight or flight mode where our bodies um, either kind of go into action, right? Taking charge. Think of like the, I think all the time about um, how I was can maybe hyper alert about certain things too, like hyper alert of the signals and, that are going on in the, in the NICU or, or, um, flight, which is kind of shutting down, running away avoidance. So you're going through that and you really don't even have the time to, um, uh, worry about your, how you're like processing deep concepts and emotions that you're feeling. Right. It's only till you get to a place of safety, right. Where the bear isn't chasing you anymore, where your body can slowly know that, that you can slowly come out of it, but it's not immediate. Right. Um, and Parijat talks about that all the time about how when we're in fight or flight, when our body thinks we're in danger for such a long period of time, it's not like we can shut it off. Um, so I think that's that's something we realize a lot with with folks, too, is that uh, coming out of the NICU, the perceived, their perceived safety, sometimes it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it changes. It's like a moving scale. Like Ashley, we were just talking about this today, right? About like what, what it feels like to widen our window to do things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so sometimes like, I, I mean, I feel like I think about taking JJ outside and this was like, um, in the before times before there was the panini as the kids call it. (laughs) Um, But there, I remember like just taking JJ outside was like a big deal, let alone to a store. Right. So like the workup that I had to do to like slowly stretch myself and become to to find my feeling of safety to get to that took a long time. Yeah. I don't know. Did you guys have experiences like that too, where you kind of felt like you had to, slowly expose yourself to something my first trip to target was a complete nightmare <laughs> it's so because, it was so overwhelming because yeah like you're in this literal incubator for months and then as you get as you leave you get all the papers about all the scary flus and you're like watch out and then right you vow to yourself like i shall not expose my kid to these flus and I remember feeling brave one day to go to Target with Silas alone. I went to our smaller Target and I went at like a time where I didn't think a lot of people would be there. My first meltdown was he was in the car. We were in the car. Obviously he was in his car seat. He was crying and he cried to where, you know how like they like long breathe, like you can't hear them breathe right. almost. Cause it's like, right. Such a whale. Right. Yeah. and it triggered me and I pulled over. I remember where I pulled over. I went to the back. I looked at him and I just started bawling and I kept, I brought my face to his ears and or his oh. nose. And I was like, are you breathing? Are you breathing? And he looked at me like, yeah, mom, I'm just crying. Cause I'm a baby. But I was like, oh. this is, this is yeah. like, it was so overwhelming. And then I went to the target mm-hmm. and he did not want to be in his car seat. I was like, oh, this is fine. He'll just be in his car seat the whole time. Oh, of course. Like, he won't touch anything. It's great. I had my little like, please don't touch, like sticker on top. And he did not want to be in there. And so he was still pretty little at this point, right? And so he needed to be held. And I brought him out and surrounding me were all of these people. And here I am. I felt like I was like, I couldn't protect him enough. I was like, I just expose you to the breath of like 50 other people. And I remember like I was, I was having a literal like panic attack as I'm holding my son in the diaper aisle of Target. And I was just like, is this how it will always feel? Like, will I ever feel like I can go into a store and not completely lose it? Because yeah, you like, you're adjusting to everybody else's normal, right? Like it's super normal to bring your kid to Target. And I looked forward to that day. And, and then I'm here and I'm like holding my seven pound child in the diaper aisle feeling like this is, this is not how it was supposed to feel. And so it also took me a very long time to feel comfortable to and be around other people. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> with Callan having a trach and event, it was a process to even right. go anywhere and you couldn't go anywhere. Um, so whenever we would drive somewhere, somebody would have to sit in the back with him in case something would happen with his vent, his trach, um, all of that. And when he came home, he was getting fed over the like course of two hours. And then he would get an hour break, and then he'd be fed again for two hours and an hour break. Um, and so going places with Callan, we did not do that a lot at all um, when we first came home. And that was almost hard because I would go to Target and I would do these things and there'd be somebody watching my kid at home. And um, while it was great to get out of the house because I, I needed to do that for my own mental health, a part of me felt like I was missing him or I was missing a piece of me um, and missing a piece of what I had envisioned motherhood to mm-hmm. be because I couldn't, I couldn't go to target and just bring him with by myself and stroll the aisles. Um, I will have to say, I've been making up for that with Nora. We've <laughs> been yeah. too many times, um, but I, uh, um, yeah, it was really hard. But our first outing, we went to um, actually family hours. We would get family hours once we were proven to be, you know, able and capable of taking (laughs) care of our kid without a nurse there. And we got those pretty quickly. And we're very fortunate for that, um, that our nursing company saw that we were just, I mean, they knew, they knew we were in the NICU every day. They felt our competency with our kiddo. Um, And so we got those pretty quickly. And our first one, I can remember um, feeling so excited because it was just 
the three of us and we packed Callan up in the car and we went through the drive-thru at a coffee shop and then it felt so good. But then we decided to go see, um, this is a different set of family hours, um, our my sister-in-law and we did not know that then the neighbors were going to come over with their oh my gosh. babies. And so our um, we were home for about two or a few couple weeks before my sister-in-law had her baby. So that's when we went over there when they came home from the hospital to meet her baby. And we're like, this is going to be safe. Like they have to be safe with their newborn. We have to be safe with Callan. Well, at the same time, their neighbor, which is um, very close family now, now family actually, she came over with her brand new baby as well. So we'd have all of our little babies and then their close friend came over and they had a toddler and I was like, that's when I started to lose it. I was like, okay. And he had a cough and I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, oh no. And mm-hmm. Bailey is her name, the mom's name being so sweet. She looked at me, she goes, I want you to know he's not sick. He has tracheomalacia. And I'm like, what? Because that is the reason Callan was trached. But obviously his was a very, very, very minor case where he didn't need to be trached for that. Um, but he would have a floppy airway and he would need to cough. And that's why he would cough is to like open up his airway. And But I remember I was like, wow, I am forever going to be traumatized by a cough because – I just know that Catlin is so much more susceptible to getting sick with this open airway. And I have to admit, this pandemic, for one, has just re-triggered those feelings. Every person that coughs, I'm like, <gasps> my heart just skips a little bit. And or yeah. like Tyler will cough because he aspirated on some water or something. I'm like, are you sick? Yeah. <laughs> and he's what like, is it with husbands and like having coughing fits, by the way? Honestly. I don't know if you're gonna Zach is always like, <laughs> 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 like near death. I'm like, excuse me, sir, are you done with that Academy Award winning performance of the cough? <laughs> Gosh, I'm like, and really, like in a pandemic, why? Why? Like everyone is looking at you when you're coughing. Like, no, just don't. Seriously. Uh, but no, so yeah, it was, it took a while for me. Um, actually it took a while to really process everything from the NICU. Um, I looking back, it took probably, it was at around Callan's second birthday when I really began to process everything that had happened. And I realized that when we came home, I fell into what I now identify as depression and I didn't know it. Um, my body, came down from this like this fight and I I was dealing with nurses in my home I I would just stay in my pajamas pretty much like pajama clothes all day and there was one nurse this is when I kind of felt a shift of being in depression versus like I'm going to start to take back my life and kind of create a new normal and a new routine um she I would eat my breakfast and put my bowl like at the sink and then I would go let our dog out and by the time I come back up she already had washed my bowl and at the same time then she was doing every care for my son and I was like what is my role like I started to lose my identity in my own house because there was no set boundaries um and she would be like, no, you just go rest. I'll, I'll change his diaper. I can get him to sleep. And it's like, no, those are the things I've longed to do. That is my role. Like your role is to drop his meds. Your role is to administer them. Your role is to do the paperwork and monitor his numbers. I am his caretaker. And so once I set those boundaries, um, things started to feel better and I started to gain some normalcy back. But like I said, then we had to, you know, push forward and he had a heart surgery. And then when he turned a year old, um, a few days after that, my father-in-law passed away um, from a year-long battle with brain cancer. And so I was still in this kind of fight mode until, you know, we get to his two-year birthday and I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, what in the world just happened? Like these past two years were just crazy. And that's when I really began to process everything that we had just went through. And that's when, that's when our healing started to take place and, Mm -hmm. you know, battle of all things 
post-NICU. Yeah. I'm a relatively self-aware person. So when I was in the NICU, I actually started counseling then Mm -hmm. because I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to suffer so greatly. So I was like, I'm going to set up my appointments now. And when I came home from the NICU, I was like, I'm going to go to my appointments and I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to be the exception. Mm -hmm. I think, and so looking back, I think I see my efforts while they were pure in at heart. I think the deeper thing was I just, I so badly didn't want, I wanted to be so different. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to look at me and say, oh, she didn't struggle. Like she didn't fall. She didn't have depression. She, cause she took care of it early enough. And when I look back on that now, I just, what that did is it, it didn't allow me it didn't give me the, the, the space to fall apart. And mm-hmm. I was trying so hard to hold it together and to be this exception that when all, like when I finally did feel it, it, it was almost like that's when the weight was lifted because I wasn't trying to like perform and be this like perfect Nikki mom. I was like, I finally just let myself struggle, you know, like mm-hmm. I had to struggle to then get through it. Right. And so, um, I think I had to give myself permission to like this whole, this whole collection of like, be proud of who you've become meant so much to me because like, I so badly didn't want to become someone else. I wanted to come out of the NICU and I wanted people to see me as someone who was unfazed, but like, it was undeniable that I was a completely new woman after the NICU journey. And so um, I think for me, I finally began to process when I let myself fall apart. And when I let myself feel and Dear Nikki Mom was was instrumental in that. Martha, you were instrumental in that. I mean, like when I connected with you, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like she allows herself to speak these honest thoughts because she's honoring that part of her heart. And that was just like a concept that I had never visited before. And so I began to process when I allowed myself to fall apart. I've never heard you heard you voice that before, Ashley, which is interesting because we talk about it literally every day, 12 every day. hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the Enneagram three in me. Okay. It's like, yeah. I'm going to perform the heck out of it. And then the Enneagram four in me is like, but I'm going to do it like nobody else, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and the Enneagram no, two yeah. in me starts a nonprofit. So there we go. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, well, I think that brings it up and it's, it's part of the formation of Dear Nikki Mama too, which is that, um, there are so many things when you reach out and you try to find things about the NICU online, we talked a lot about like the scary statistics in the world. Ugh. And so I, I, I distinctly, I mean, it's not very hard to find the statistic of like, Hey, X amount of people walk away with PTSD from the NICU, right? Right. Just terrifying. And, <laughs> right. And people are going to tell you that. So like it, it feels like a prescription to you, right? Like, oh, this is going to happen to you. Like mm-hmm. get ready, you know, which is, which I can see then feeding Ashley your desire to like not want that to happen because you're terrified of it to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but the reality of it is the only answer to any of it is to surround yourself with abounding love. Mm-hmm. And just to hold yourself dearly and say, you matter, you're okay, it won't always feel this way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. sometimes you have to do it every 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard and I'm sorry that we all have to go through it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sorry that we do. It's, I mean, part of it is just sucks, right? Like yeah. none of this is what we expected. But – the other part of it is that you have been through hell and back and you're yeah. still here. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always think about like, oh, I wasn't enough. I'm not doing this right or whatever. No, 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 no. We yeah. are doing exceptionally well mm-hmm. with the things that were handed to us in the time frame that it was given to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just, I think none of us give ourselves enough grace. Um I like the three of us here, we're always like, well, all we do is like shoot words of affirmation at each other, like a Nerf gun war, <laughs> but it's very difficult to do it to yourself. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yep. Yeah. I think that's one thing, uh, which dear Nikki mama had was instrumental to it, but 
I didn't start therapy until um, this past year. And I wish I would have, you know, had Dear Nikki Mama closer to that beginning of the after of NICU because I think I would have started therapy so much earlier. And I think it would have been very helpful to have um, just that because that's what my therapist works on. She's like, Kendra, can you, can you say that to yourself? Can you, can you see that in yourself? And I don't, I don't know if it's what it is, but it's so much harder to say those things to yourself and to believe them um, is a totally mm-hmm. other thing. And it is so true. We are all so encouraging to other moms and you can just like <laughs> look through every single post in our group and it's just so much love, but it's so hard sometimes to extend it to ourselves. And it's just, it's helpful when you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Does, does it make you guys emotional thinking back to those first months home? I don't know. It just brings back or just even hearing both of you share about those first months. It's like, wow, we really did walk through hell and back and we, and we're on the other side of it. And I mean, it's just, it's emotional thinking about that. I know. It's almost like you, you zoom out and it's like, if you could see yourself from like another perspective and like see how hard you were trying to get through and like see your efforts and on one end feel so proud of you and on the other end be like oh you don't have to try so hard yeah like you know like you don't have to try so hard like you're doing enough you know it's like these equal parts of pride and also like grief of oh I wish I would have just let you just be you know yeah yeah oh totally yeah it's funny that you say that because we were talking about it earlier when we were recording another podcast and um I texted my husband and I was like, remember JJ's first night at home? LOL, RIP. <laughs> and then he sent a, 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 a gif of Nick Miller from uh, New Girl squirting mayonnaise into a jar. And I thought, <laughs> you know, it's like so true. Because now I can look back on a laugh, which actually is like a very beautiful thing, right? Yeah, because right. <laughs> I feel safe enough to do it. But yeah, we yeah. at the time, it felt like the end of the world. Um, and I think it's just a reminder of like how big life is. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so much bigger than you can imagine in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe as kind of, uh, an ending place or like a closing thought, like what's, what's one thing that you would tell yourself? Like you're, you just came home you're fresh, like out of the NICU, you're adjusting to life at home. Like if you could sit your former self down for coffee and just like love on her, like what, what would you tell her? I guess this would be to, um, other, or knowing that I was going to have, you know, other people in my house. Um, and so if any other medical mamas, you know, coming home with kiddos that you're going to have nursing and other people in your house, um, set boundaries. I am such a people pleaser and I did not want to step on anyone's foot, especially anyone that was going to be taking care of my kid. I didn't want them to hate me and then take it out on my kid. (laughs) But if I would have set those boundaries earlier and, um, which ultimately helped make a routine, I think it would have been a lot easier coming home um, and just being very adamant about like, I am going to take care of my son because this is my place to do. I am going to put him down for those naps. I am going to change his diaper. I am going to play with him and hold him and rock him. Um, And I saw it somewhere today and it says, hold the mom, not the baby, unless asked otherwise or something along those lines. And I think just, you know, setting those boundaries and asking for help when needed, um, because I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I did not want to show that I needed help. Mm -hmm. Um, and just not being ashamed of that because 
our bodies did incredible things throughout mm-hmm. that entire, I mean, the pregnancy to the NICU stay to coming home. And I, I wish I would have been more kind to myself and knowing like, be selfish, be selfish for your time with your kiddo that you are finally getting and be selfish for your own mental health. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Yeah. How about you, Martha? Oh, I guess, well, it might be like, like there is nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. Like you've been wronged in a lot of ways, right? But there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think you or you know, maybe this is a better way. Like you're not broken. Yeah. You're not broken. Yeah. Um, and also there's no, um, there aren't any th- scary thoughts that you could have. There's no intrusive thought you could have that would make you a bad mom. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Thoughts are not who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. Yeah. Yeah. And also like go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> go to therapy. Take the meds. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's good. Ash, what about you? I think if I was sitting across from myself, I would, I would just tell that you have nothing to prove. Um, We kind of shared about that on Instagram recently, but um, you have nothing to prove. Like there is no, like I, I kind of said it before, but like you have permission to fall apart. Like you are not seen as less if you struggle. You are not seen as more if you don't. Like you have nothing to prove. And on your good days and your bad days, like you're worthy. Like you're worthy of the title of being your kid's mom. You're worthy of love. And you have nothing to prove. Absolutely. So good. I think... (laughs) that actually, that post that you're talking about that, you know, you guys had, it was really just that and different things um, from Dear Nikki Mama really did shape my mentality as being a second time mom, but uh, Mm. addressing it as like, no, this, this looks so different. And I have nothing to prove to any of you. Like treat me as a first time mom, please. And I was so Mm. open about that. And um, I just, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit to just be open about all of those feelings. And I just, I I am forever grateful for this amazing group of women that we get to be with because we just, Mm. I don't know, I've learned so much about myself and myself as a mom and just, I don't know. It's just so good. I love that. I love that so much. You have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Makes me emotional. <laughs> I know. Oh. Yeah. Also, also um, unfollow them. <laughs> yeah. Whoever it is, like just unfollow them. Like, no. <laughs> unfollow. <laughs> Yeah, like absolutely not. Are they giving you grief? No, unfollow them. Is it your mom? Unfollow them. <laughs> well, my dear friends, I just love you both so much. And this conversation just brings me back to the foundation of Dear Nikiwama, which is a really special way to kick off season four. And throughout this month, we hope to share more about life after NICU. And we have some really special things in store. But um, to the mamas currently in the NICU, like we said prior, coming home is not something to fear. It is an exciting, it is a beautiful, it is a fulfilling season. Um, Sometimes for us, it's just a bit more complex. But um, no matter what, you can and you will get through it. And you have a sisterhood of women who will stand alongside you as you do. To the NICU mamas who are home from the NICU and are navigating that new chapter, uh, we just want to remind you that, as Martha said earlier, you are not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. 
there's no right or wrong way to journey through the NICU as long as your heart is cared for in the process. And so know that um, no matter the anniversaries that come, the triggers that may come, no matter how you're feeling today, you are worthy of love just as you are. So we love you, Mama, so much. Thank you for being in this space with us always. This community is so special, and um, I think I can speak for all of us, has been a very crucial part in our own healing journeys as well. And so um, thank you for being a part of what makes this community so special. We love you all, and we'll catch you guys next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.